Hey everyone, welcome to episode 5 of the Tap In with Taco podcast. I'm your host, Taco Tell Watanabe. The goal of this podcast is closing the gap between the end of your military career to the start of your civilian career. On today's episode, I interview Mason, who was a 42 Alpha, or Human Resources Specialist, and he shares his journey and perspectives during his transition to Amazon. We talk about some key resources that you need to tap into if you're pursuing any form of higher education, along with some other HR-related topics. Hope you guys enjoy it. All right, cool. So uh, this is episode five of the Tap In with Taco podcast. Welcome. Um, today I have Mason with me. Welcome to the show, Mason. Hello. So yeah, this is exciting. We've known each other since what? I think since high school. So we've known each other while we both enlisted in the army at the same time. Uh, today I kind of want to focus in on uh, human resources, 42 Alpha and the MOS for the army and other kind of HO or HR related um, MOS is another branch of the military. So Mason, I'll mm-hmm. let you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your journey, and then we can dive into some of the topics that we're prepared today. Yeah. Um, so my name is Mason Kim. I am a uh, first generation Korean American and a nine year army veteran who served under the capacity of 42 Alpha, which is better known as human resources specialist. Um, I was ultimately medically discharged um, due to an injury and transitioned over to continuing my higher education with Western Governor University and then graduated last year with a uh, BS in human resources management. And then I was quickly hired over with Nordstrom headquarters uh, doing some payroll and a lot of COVID related duties and recently uh, transitioned over to Amazon's disability leaves and services uh, department. So kind of diving into that, how was your journey from going from the military um, and then switching over to the civilian side? Honestly, in my case, it's very unique because I had just graduated. And while I was looking for employment, um, COVID hit. So yeah. Um, that slowed down a lot of applications that I had submitted. Uh, some of them um, I had submitted a year prior, and I'm just now hearing hearing back for some interviews. It was a very difficult transition, I would say, very unique uh, in in the matter of um, it, it wasn't what I like imagined at all. Um, I had a plan of what I was going to do step by step. It was all compartmentalized. Like I said, COVID just threw everything out of whack. Right. So things weren't really kind of in your in your quarter, in your control. Absolutely not. No. And I I think that goes for anyone um, that had recently graduated fresh with their undergrad and seeking employment. Um, anyone in that pool of talent, I think they were, they had to face that kind of roadblock because of COVID. The world just basically came to standstill. Yeah, I feel like a lot of companies did a lot of uh, hiring freezes in general. Yeah. But looking back, is there are there any kind of lessons learned during your journey that you wish you had done differently? Is or or is it kind of like you did everything that you really could and you know, COVID just kind of took over and, and made it a little bit difficult for you? 
In terms of if I could do something again, yeah, for sure. I would have completed my degree a little faster and taken advantage over the reserve student loan repayment program. Um, my contract included a $20,000 um, benefit for student loan repayment. And I had only claimed about 30% of that 20000 So it was quite a waste. And now I have um, this incurred debt from college, but which isn't that much. But I, if I could do it again, I would use that benefit a lot sooner. Yeah, I think that SLRP was, for me, it was like, it was really hard to even tap into. I couldn't figure out like what the paperwork was, what the process yeah. was. I don't even think I ended up using it. I just said, you yeah. know what, screw it. I'll just take care of UW's military financial aid and then just kind of like eat the cost there. You make, you bring up a good point because when I was a private and I was, you know, inquiring about possibly using or, you know, starting to get that kicked into my, um, what is it, my education, there's a lot of like convoluted information and um, it's specifically designed to deter soldiers from actually using it. And I'm not trying to put the military down, but um, they designed it in a way where you really have to earn that student loan repayment program. And if you don't go after it and you're not hungry enough to actually claim that benefit, you're not really going to see the light of, you're not even going to see a penny of that going towards your higher education. And yeah, that, that was frustrating for me too. Um, getting the right paperwork, speaking to the right people, emailing contacts, and you know, just even getting in touch on the phone with the right person was really difficult just to get my, my benefits started. Yeah. What do you suggest for those people who are struggling with that? Because like, I just quit. <laughs> I was like, screw it. I don't even care. What kind of helped you push and where if someone now looking at this and trying to get those benefits are struggling, right? What, what do you suggest they kind of do? What are some steps that they could do to make their process yeah. a little bit easier? Um, so for me, I kind of fell under that spell where, you know, the military is very macho and we don't like to ask for help. Uh, whatever the gender, uh, individuals in the military, like, um, mm. they don't like to depend on others and they want to be independent and they want to prove to others, uh, that they can do it on their own. Um, I would just stop there. And what I would do is I would seek help because there are li liaisons and there are mentors set in place and hired, uh, by the Department of Defense specifically to help soldiers like, um, you and I, you know, when we mm -hmm. first joined. So, um, start off by going to go army ED. Everyone knows what that website is. Um, and then you will get assigned to a region and under that region, they'll have some contact information, whether it be email or phone numbers, reach out to those, to those contacts, and then they will point you into the right direction and provide some guidance so that you can get started in the right direction. Yeah. And I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of roadblocks along the way. You just got to kind of get past those, right? And just kind of keep pushing and be pestering almost. And yeah. just to kind of get that, right? Yeah. And you know, when you make those phone calls to those um, regional centers, they won't get back to you right away because they are serving a lot of people. Um, right. Those people that figured out how to get to the benefit. So um, don't be discouraged. Just keep inquiring and keep peeing them and they'll get back to you. And I mean, it's, it's your entitlement. As long as if you aren't, you know, failing in PT or 
not passing standards in height and weight, then you're totally entitled to it. So um, you should be using it. Yeah, honestly, I think that's pretty good practice, though, just kind of being persistent, because that's just one of the things that I learned in the military is if you don't get an answer, like if you keep asking and keep asking, you will eventually get an answer. So like that's this is just one of those things where it is beneficial for you um, as a service member to get your benefits and just keep asking if you don't get an answer. Yeah, for sure. So since your transition, since you moved on to the civilian world, what's what have you seen as been the biggest difference between being a 42 alpha human resources person in the army and kind of being an HR? And I know HR is such a generic general term, but what has been the biggest difference that you've seen um, since you've kind of started your career in the civilian side? The mission hasn't really changed. We are really managing human capital and we want to just make the employee experience as positive positive as possible from the inception of, you know, hiring the employee to when they retire. We want to make it as great of an experience as possible for that individual. But the overall goals are different. So in the military, they're primarily focused on delivering results. And I'm sure you're you're accustomed to the military standards, they want it to be at least 83% and above. Um, And depending on the command that you're in, uh, they might have their own set standard is uh, for mine example was my last tour, our success rate, overall success rate for personnel actions had to be at a 94% and above. But in the civilian sector, what I found really different is they really want to make that human connection. Um, instead of saying we want their experience to be great and then just delivering numbers, um, what I notice is they really actually care about how the employees feel, uh, what their thoughts are. A lot of times I get a lot of employee feedback, which didn't really happen in the, in the, in the military. What are some of the other things that you see civilian employers do to gather the feedback or to make that human connection on the HR side? Just being kind. (laughs) If I'm being honest, um, having um, an understanding, Uh, I I see a lot of empathy uh, and sympathy uh, clearly distinguished um, at appropriate times. People are just understanding and the culture is completely different. Uh, I would say less toxic if I'm going to be completely honest with you. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Okay. What kind of skills have translated from the military over to the, your, your civilian career, whether that's kind of more technical skills or if it's soft skills that you've learned? Um, what do you see looking back like, oh, I'm really glad that I did this when I was in the army and um, those skills that I learned when I was in have really translated over and made me successful over on the civilian side? Yeah. So For me personally, um, I did a lot of reading of regulations, whether it be federal or local regulations and laws. Um, I found that if you clearly stick to the SOPs of your organization, you are set up to be successful and it just makes your job a lot more easier. And I found that 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 was very, very useful. Is that something that people are already doing or something that you took the initiative to do and that just stuck with you? Yeah. So it wasn't intentional. I, you know, being a young private, I would just ask for answers and um, methods of getting my tasks done. 
But thankfully, I had mentors who uh, didn't give up answers that easily and made me seek those answers on my own. And I had to come up with solutions indiv- uh, by myself without their help, uh, sometimes with their guidance. But that really drove me to learn a lot more. And right. I'm very thankful of that because if I was just handed an answer, then you know I could just easily forget after being handed that answer. So um, deep diving and learning on my own and a lot of unnecessary reading uh, helped me learn a lot more than I would have known right now. Yeah, for sure. I think the military really teaches to take initiative. If you don't have an answer, just go seek that answer and, and, and can kind of like dig into the weeds and don't just like take what's for granted. Yeah, for uh, sure. So I think that's a very, uh, that's a big, big trait that really comes with um, kind of translates over from the military side as well. When you were looking for your civilian career or when you're looking for your job, once you got out of the military, what kind of resources did you tap into or did you utilize to help you find these jobs? I didn't really use any resources, to be honest with you. Um, other than the fact that I had uh, signed up for a course through Syracuse University, it was a human resources certification program. Um, was that through the military? Yes, it was through the military. Okay, military. Cool. So um, anyone that is post-military or about to get out of the military, you can get in touch with Syracuse University. And they have a program where you can get basically any professional certification and they they allow you to do it once because it's a privately funded program and you have to pass their exams for you to be certified to even get that exam paid for. But um, yeah, it's through the military, uh, post-military Veterans Association. Do you have to wait till you're out or can you start doing that like before before you get out and everything? You can initiate the process uh, once you get your discharge date. You can notify the university that, hey, you you are going to be discharged and you're intending on using their services. And they'll go through all the questions that you have to answer to see if you're eligible. How long was that process for you? Like for to, me, get, to get enrolled and everything? Um, from start to finish, I would say two months. Okay. And then how long was the course? The course, uh, they allow you to do it in six months. Okay. Um, but due to COVID, they actually extended it to a year. Got it. Okay, so yeah. so about a year total of just putting in your time and, and getting ready to to figure that out. Okay, exactly, and you only yeah. get allowed one one, one certification. Attempt. Yeah, okay. one attempt. So, but in that time span, like let's say I finish my professional human resources certification, I could go for another one. I don't know. Let's say in coding, and if I do get it in. If I do get it done in time, then they'll pay for that exam as well. Yeah. Got it. So you could tap into a couple if you if you had the time and had the resources. Cool. But the exams are pretty long uh, and the courses you have to go through their modules and that's pretty long as well. So if you have the time, you, you can definitely get a lot of professional certifications for free. And it's online. So you don't have to worry about like going into a class or have it be a specific location, like near your duty station, right? No, no, no. So actually for those that are near military installations that host on site that they teach at nighttime, uh, because this is mostly for those who are already in the field. So you can definitely go on military installations on bases that host these uh, courses and classes. 
But uh, for the majority of those in this course, they are doing it remotely, yeah, distance learning. That's a pretty good resource to tap into. That's the first time I've actually heard about that. So I think that's really helpful for people who are, are looking for certifications or something, especially that you don't have to pay out of pocket. That's the biggest thing, right? Is like, man, if I pay you know, X hundred dollars or thousand dollars for this, is it going to actually pay off and help me get that next job or help me in my career? Um, too often you, you pay for a class and end up not helping you. So yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. Sounds good. Kind of talking about a little bit about post-military. We talked about the Syracuse thing that you could do post-military. What do you recommend soldiers start doing now if, if they want to prepare to be in like an HR role in the future? And like, how far back should they start planning um, for that for that transition? Um, honestly, finish your degree as soon as as soon as possible. Because in the HR world, you're not gonna get looked at for, even for an interview if you do not have that degree. Um, a lot of the applications uh, they do say that they'll accept. I don't know. For example, six plus years of. Uh, comparable experience, but that's not true. Um, because me personally, speaking from personal experience, mm-hmm. um, when I did have that six year experience prior to finishing my degree, I was denied, rejected for every application. Um, How many uh, applications did you submit? I would say upwards to 80 plus. Oh, dang. Okay. Every single one was rejected. They do really value the degree in the HR world because it's so heavily like regulations and policies centric. Um, they need those certifications and they do need that degree, professional degree for the individual to serve in that capacity. How many applications did you submit after you got your degree and then before you got your job offer? Oh man, like 200 plus. I think maybe 15% of them replied, but it was a faster response. I think, yeah, that speaks volumes as far as like expectations for people getting out. Cause some people will say, oh, well, I already like, I submitted 10. All right, I'm done. I quit. Yeah. Right? But it really, I think it goes back to what we talked about before being persistent and just kind of keeping at it until you, until you break through. Yeah. And you know, like I said, I wouldn't be discouraged for those who just heard the 200 application number. Um, like I said, my, Situation is very unique. Uh, we, I was in the middle of a pandemic while applying to all these jobs. So mm-hmm. hopefully it's that's not the case for you. Hopefully by the end of this year, all the vaccines will be yeah. uh, distributed and we'll be in a better place. Um, kind of the last question I want to touch on that we had kind of talked about is a little bit more of a generic question. Of, are there any tips you have for those people in the same shoes that are you looking to transition out of the military? Just any any kind of generic general tips for people? Don't be afraid to ask for help. And really look at where you want to be in a year or five years, however you want to look at your goals, um, really plan it out because after you get out the military and um, as soon as you get that last paycheck, it's radio silence. Like you're really on your own and it doesn't really hit after that last paycheck, but don't let that last paycheck hit for you to realize that you really need to make something of yourself to survive now because you're not in the comforts of the government and that biweekly, biweekly paycheck. That's something that was a little discomforting for me, to be honest. 
All right. So um, any other topics you want to talk about kind of human resources, HR, or any kind of mi- military transition related topics you want to bring up? Um, just honestly, just be prepared. Uh, when you go through all those ACAP courses, don't ignore it and actually pay attention to it. It's really beneficial. I learned a lot from it. Um, just be prepared for post-military life. All right. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, if um, if they want to have follow-up questions, how can they get hold of you, whether that's LinkedIn or, or whatever? Um, they could hit me up at my work email, M-A-S-O-K-M at Amazon.com. Cool. Anything else you want to plug? I uh, just want to plug in my mom's burger shop, Burger Madness. It's in Soto, right behind the Costco, downtown Seattle, near Soto. So hit that up and just mention me and we'll we'll treat you right awesome awesome well thanks for your time mason i appreciate it um all the links and everything will be in the show notes thanks man i hope you enjoyed that interview with mason and can take away some valuable information i'll leave mason's email in the show notes and if you're in the seattle area make sure to check out burger madness Uh, so thanks for tuning in Make sure you hit that follow button if you haven't already. I'm on Instagram at Tap In With Taco Podcast. If there's a topic you want me to cover, feel free to send me that way. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Peace. In the Like my first name Phil.